as you're making your plans for the holidays checking over the things you should do the king of kings waits for your Thank you. That was perfect. 
We had great help last Sunday after church, by the way, putting up this tree. And so thank everyone that did that. Um, whether we have that much help taking it down, we'll see. But we had great help putting it up. Merry Christmas. We can say that legally now, can't we? That's okay to say. Uh, it's December. I can say it's 80 degrees, it feels like, but I can still tell you Merry Christmas. Today we're going to look at the life of Joseph. Uh, the man engaged to Mary when we meet him, the man who raised Jesus as his own son. I've never preached on Joseph that I can remember. Um, oh, he's received honorable mention in sermons that I've done, but I've never done one on Joseph. Uh, and I wonder why that is, and maybe it's because there are no recorded words of Joseph in Scripture. Read about Joseph. I can't find anything that he said, not one word. In all the stories, he is silent, but his actions speak louder than words. And so we're going to look at Joseph's life as one of trusting and obeying. But before we do that, let's pray. Lord, help us to be that way to be able to trust you at what you say and to obey it, always. Thank you for the example that is before us, the life of your servant, Joseph. And we pray through his life we would learn, well, how to be the way you want us to be. Thank you as we move towards Christmas that we are in your house and that we have you in our plans. Father, thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. We begin in Matthew chapter 1. There is a mention of Joseph before verse 18 in a genealogy. That's the only mention of Joseph, and now we get to his story. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a just, righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, he planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Verse 23 is a quote from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, written about 700 years before this occurred. Verse 24, when Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. You know that one well. Engagements in the day of Joseph and Mary were different than engagements today. It's likely that Joseph and Mary's marriage was arranged by parents and they were really legally engaged, which means it was binding. 
The only way to get out of this serious type of engagement is a divorce. But they're not living together yet. Preparations are being made. So I said the only way to get out was a divorce. Well, there's another way. Joseph could have had Mary killed. Mary tells Joseph she's going to have a baby, and I can't imagine. He knew it wasn't his. The scripture's clear they'd not been together. And I don't know how long he thought about it or what he said, but I know he loved Mary. Matthew tells us that he was a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, so he's going to dismiss her quietly. He would just walk away. He wouldn't have her killed. But then he had a visit. An angel explained the situation. And verse 24 of Matthew 1 tells us of his response. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife. In the encounter, we never hear a word spoken by Joseph. He simply trusted God and obeyed God. The next time we read about Joseph is in chapter 2 of Matthew, beginning at verse 13. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt. Remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I had called my son. Verse 15 is more Old Testament prophecy from Hosea chapter 11. Likely written around 700 years B.C. as well. But again here, not a word from Joseph. Not a question, not a statement, nothing. He took his wife, he took his newborn, and he fled to Egypt. He trusted God and he obeyed God. Joseph hears from the angel one more time. Verses 19 through 23 of chapter 2 of Matthew. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of its father Herod, he was afraid to go there. After being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth. So that had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. More prophecy in the story. While we don't have a direct Old Testament reference to he would being from Nazarene, it's likely that Joseph had heard this prophecy as the Jewish people were looking for a Messiah. So after the dream, he gets up, takes his family out of Egypt to Nazareth. Once again, obeying because he trusted God. We find ourselves, I think, at times in the same position as Joseph. Life's not easy. Things get difficult. They were for Joseph. 
And God tells us what to do. Christmas comes as a time of peace and people celebrate peace. But there is conflict and maybe you're in the middle of some. And God says celebrate Christmas. Christmas comes as a time of joy but there's so much sadness and sorrow. And maybe 2018 has been tough on you. But God says joy to the world. Christmas times is a, comes at a time of love and there's so much hatred in this world. We see it all too much. But God tells us to love. We cry out to Jesus, God, how can I be peaceful? How can I have joy? How can I have love? And God tells us like he tell, told Joseph, trust me. Trust me. I love examples that I have seen of trusting and obeying. A lot of examples in this room. We will never obey God unless we trust him, and so that's where it begins. A few stories about trust. When our children were little and growing up, we were in Mississippi, Ackerman, Mississippi. That's the town my father, when he left here, retired to, the town where my stepmother, Mary Alice, was from. You took a choir tour to Ackerman, Mississippi, 1970-something. We were at Ackerman Baptist Church. I was pastor there. It was a great church, and our kids were happy, and we were close to family. Jeannie's mother and father were, the in-laws were 30 minutes down the road. It's better than next door. They were 30 minutes down the road, and that was okay, and we had cousins there and family, and life was good. Thinking about my kids growing up in Mississippi State University right down the road, there was a scholarship for Choctaw County from timber money that if your kid kept good grades, their college would be paid for at Mississippi State, at Ole Miss, I have to mention Ole Miss for dear friends, at Mississippi College, at different schools in Mississippi, it was a free ride. <coughs> Excuse me. And don't think that wasn't in the back of my head with two children growing up thinking college is paid for. We also had a dentist in our church who gave us free dental care. And I just had a crown last week and it, it wasn't free. So Ackerman was a wonderful place for a lot of reasons and the church was growing and we had every reason to stay. And then we were called to a church in Indiana. Above the Mason-Dixon line, Indiana, that one. In Mississippi, we, we kind of figured anything above Tupelo was questionable. Anything that far north was Yankee land, and so you wanted to stay south of Memphis anyway. And I felt God leading us there. And it was confusing. Because we loved our church, and everything was good, and family was right there, and and Taylor and Ellen had cousins to play with and grandparents to play with and the college thing and God, why would you do this to us? Picking up and leaving family and friends and security with two children, young children, seemed foolish. But since we trusted God, we obeyed God and he took us to Indiana where we loved it for 15 years. So we trusted and obeyed and 
God rewarded that. While living there, we met many wonderful people. Believe it or not, contrary to what you have heard, there are wonderful people above the Mason-Dixon line. There really are. Among them were dear friends of ours who, young married couple, and they were afraid to have children. They had been, the reason they were afraid is they'd been tested and they were carriers of something called Fragile X Syndrome. You ever heard of Fragile X Syndrome? Pretty rare. It usually impacts the male offspring. It is rare for a male offspring because parents carry Fragile X to have an IQ above 55. And so they were like, what do we do? And I remember praying with them. They wondered, should we start a family? Should we take that chance? They were people of great faith and still are. Was there a 50-50 chance, boy or girl? Who knows what the odds are? They trusted God and they started a family. Statistically, I don't know how likely it is, but they have four beautiful daughters. Four of them. You know what they named their first daughter? In Matthew chapter, or in Luke chapter 12, beginning around verse 22, there's a section in scripture about not worrying, telling us not to do it. And we are told in verse 27 to consider the lilies of the field. They spin, they don't spin, they don't toil. And yet Solomon in all his splendor was not that. They named her Lily. You know her middle name? Faith. Lily Faith. I'll never forget her as long as I live. Or their example of trusting and obeying. So while we're in Indiana and our children were raised there, grew up there, went to college from there, our son Taylor left our house to move to Colorado Springs, Colorado. His fiancée was in graduate school out in Colorado living with some family. And so Taylor drives off from our house in Indiana, you remember this, in a little car that's paid for with some money, not much, and no job to move to Colorado to be near his fiancée. So he had a little money saved up and he had to go and find a place to rent for him. And again, did I mention he's broke and doesn't have a job? To make a long story short, and I remember standing in the driveway just thinking, okay, what are you going to do? He gets a job at Best Buy. They don't exist anymore, do they? Those, do they still exist? Okay. Best Buy. And they put him in their Apple computer section because he grew up in a household that used Apple computer products and Taylor knew them. So they stuck him in that section at Best Buy. So while he's working in the Apple computer section at Best Buy, some reps from Apple came by and liked Taylor and they recommended him for a job at Apple. So he leaves Best Buy and he goes to Apple. And that was a good thing. Somewhere in that time, there was a wedding. We all gathered in Illinois because he married a girl from above the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> 
And Taylor and Stephanie were married. And they were broke. They FaceTime us on one of their Apple products one night saying, or called us and said, can we FaceTime tonight at 8 o'clock? They're in Colorado. We're in Indiana thinking, uh-oh. What do they want to talk to us about? So they call us that night and we're on the phone and we're looking at one another and they said, we're broke. They didn't have to call me. I knew that. They said, we need to do something. And y'all have taught financial peace, which is a wonderful class that we will offer in January. We did it last year, uh, done by Dave Ramsey. And we sent Taylor and Stephanie the video series for financial peace so they could learn how to budget and live within their means. So that helped. Taylor and Stephanie wanted to move closer to family when she finished graduate school, and so they end up in Nashville, Tennessee. Taylor transfers with Apple. Christian financial guru and author and radio personality Dave Ramsey, who did the course Financial Peace, is headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. About four years ago, they, a little over four years ago, they roll out a new app for a budgeting tool called Every Dollar. And it was only available on the iPhone. And they needed to hire some people from Apple who had expertise in the iPhone. So Taylor interviews and gets a job with Dave Ramsey because... He knew the iPhone because he'd worked at Apple and he knew financial peace because mommy and daddy had done it and taught it at church and had sent him and his wife through it. Aren't these amazing coincidences in his life? It's the hand of God, isn't it? So four years ago, Dave Ramsey hires Taylor. Today, Taylor's the associate director of customer success for every dollar and financial peace and has two of the most beautiful children I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> As I look back nine years ago, 10 years ago, to that day when he drove off from our driveway in Indiana, I think of my lack of faith. And I hear God today saying, Shivers, I told you so. I told you so. Trust and obey. The great 19th century evangelist D.L. Moody was conducting a series of meetings in Boston, Massachusetts, above the Mason-Dixon line. Leading the congregation in music was Daniel Towner. And one night a young man gave his life to Christ and came forward at the invitation. And he said, I'm not quite sure, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. That statement struck the music director who heard the boy say it, who jotted the sentence down and sent it to J.H. Samus, a Presbyterian minister, and together they wrote the famous hymn, Trust and Obey. Your life and my life should be summed up in those words. We will trust God and we will obey God. What a wonderful Christmas present to our God that we will trust him and obey him.
Let's pray. Father, thank you. We all have our stories and we could all stand in this place and talk about your watch care and your hand and your guidance in our lives. Thank you. But we need help. When things happen, we still need to trust. When things don't make sense, we still need to obey. So, Father, let us offer our lives to you as a gift of people who trust and therefore obey. In Jesus' name, amen.